everyone. I'm so glad you're back with me to Steep in the Word. Today, we're going to be in Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. Romans 10, 1 through 4 says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness to everyone who believes. In Romans 9, he has lamented the fact that Israel has abandoned their Messiah. They have uh, ignored God's word sent by his son. They have ignored the rescue that they really needed and clung to the hope for political refurbishment of Israel. And they've been looking for a king who is going to physically submit all those who oppose him to himself. But what we see in the scripture and and what uh, Jesus has taught us is that before there can be any external renewal of God's kingdom, there has to be an internal renewal of his people's hearts. And that is what Jesus' whole work on the cross is about, so that we might have new hearts, new wills. We might be made new from the inside out, and everything that God has made would be submitted to his son as ruler. But Paul, being a Jew, has uh, lamented the fact that they missed the sign of the Messiah, and he is heartbroken over it. He has lost his, his heritage, in a sense. So he's lamenting at the beginning of chapter 9 that the Jews have been lost. And here he is bringing it back around in the beginning of chapter 10 after discussing God's sovereignty over these things, um, that he, he is going to continue to pray and desire that the Jews would see God's plan in Christ. So he says, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. And he says, it is not for lack of trying that they uh, have failed. Verse 2, for I bear them witness. I was one of them, Paul says. For I bear them witness that they have zeal for God. He was one zealous. He, He accounts himself as one zealous for the law of God. But not according to knowledge. And he says, this disregard for knowledge isn't um, stupidity. It's being ignorant of the righteousness of God because they sought their own righteousness and seeking to establish their own. This is verse 3. They did not submit to God's righteousness. Well, what is God's righteousness? It is the standard for all righteousness. And we've seen this in Romans that if you break any one part of the law, you've broken the whole Decalogue, the whole Ten Commandments. Uh, Every single one in those uh, is connected to the other. If we hate our father and mother, uh, we have disrespected God because he has given us that father and mother to submit to, for example. And he says in verse 4, this is what we're going to focus on today. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So as we've seen in Romans, it's not how hard we try. It's not how much effort we put into following the law of God will still come up short. So even the people who can be regarded as the best at following God's law, the very people of God, Israel, the Jews, they still came up short. And the reason is because 
they just couldn't make it all the way. They have baggage behind them. We still have Adam as our federal head, we say. He is the one who led us into sin. And so now our natures and our wills are corrupt and we can't do anything about it. But in verse 4, when it says, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness, Paul is pointing to the fact that God does not expect anybody to make it into heaven by being perfect. Because there are no perfect people. From the moment we are born, we've seen this in Romans, and in Psalm 51, in, in sin I was conceived. I was born in iniquity. There is no hope for me. It's not that God is expecting us to do better. He knows we can do no better. But in Christ, he ends the expectation of the covenant of works because Christ has succeeded in perfecting the law. The word for end there in the Greek is telos. He has reached the perfection of righteousness. Christ is the perfection of the law, and we don't have to measure up to that anymore because Christ has. And in a sense, he has ended the law for us because we don't have to look to it as a standard for uh, a righteous living before God for salvation. But it does not mean that we get rid of the law. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So when we believe, uh, the, the, the question there is, what do we believe in? Well, we trust, we believe, we put our faith in Christ's righteousness because he has given us his life. He died for us on our behalf. The end of the law for righteousness is found in Christ. We no longer have to pursue that side of things. But that does not mean that we get rid of the law, as we've already said. We need to still hold the whole Bible together. We don't get to cut the Old Testament out of our Bible. The Old Testament is the foundation upon which Christ's work was founded. Calvin is really helpful here. He gives us three uses for the law. Why should a Christian keep a law around? Why do we have to continue to read the Ten Commandments if, if Christ fulfilled it for us? Well, the first reason is the law is pedagogical, which means it's teaching, it's instructory. What we need is to know what we are saved from. So when we read the Ten Commandments, we are reminded of how Christ did every single one of those perfectly on our behalf. We need to be reminded the disease we were saved from so that we might appreciate the salvation we have. This is a common use for the Old Testament. It drives us to the new. Spurgeon says, The law is the sheepdog that snaps at the sinner's heel to drive him back to the shepherd who is Jesus Christ. We have to realize that there is no hope in life in the ways of the world. We have to see the result of sin is death, and that is what the law does for us. It shows us our incapacity and inability to live a righteous life because we're always going back to, as, as the proverb says, the dog returns to his vomit. So Paul is saying here, don't get rid of the law. He's used the law in Romans often enough to show us that we need Christ. So Christ isn't the end of the law, full stop. It's the end of the law for righteousness. Christ used the law to prove his righteousness. So we 
don't have to fight for righteousness anymore because we couldn't. The second reason we shouldn't get rid of the Old Testament is because it has uh, something that the uh, old confessions call general equity. And what that means is the law of God is good for keeping things in line. It has a, uh, a civil quality to it. So when we see the Ten Commandments, it reminds us that there is a good order to be pursued in the world. We should not just let everybody kill each other. Having laws that prevent murder and punish murderers is a good thing for society to have. It preserves life. And when we preserve life, we prolong the opportunities and and multiply the opportunities that we are able to speak the gospel into people's lives. So we're not uh, cynical as Christians just to let the world perish. We, We want to preserve life so that they have an opportunity to become Christians themselves and follow Christ themselves and know the joys of salvation and share it with others. So the law, first of all, teaches Christians why we need Christ, and it preserves life in the uh, general equity sense in in our world. It shows that uh, there is a standard of truth to be lived by. The third use of the law, the reason we shouldn't throw out the Old Testament, is for Christian obedience. We should not say, because we're saved, we can just do whatever we want. That's called licentiousness. And Paul, in different parts of of the New Testament, argues very strongly against licentiousness. Uh, And he says in Romans, are we to sin that grace may abound? By no means. Of course not. Sin brings forth death. Why would we want to continue doing that? So the law instructs us into the way of righteousness. So the three uses of the law, one time more here to review, it teaches us how much Christ did for us, what he saved us from, and it it teaches us our own insufficiency compared to God's holiness. It shows the world that there is an absolute truth, and it preserves the world from falling into complete self-destruction. And it teaches us how to continue to live in light of the fact that Jesus has redeemed us and wants us to live abundantly, as he says. So in verse 4 here in Romans chapter 10, when we read Christ is the end of the law for righteousness, we should rejoice that we don't have to go to those as a checklist every day and hope that we didn't mess up. It should allow us to move forward knowing that Our righteousness is Christ's perfect completion of every bit of the law. And it is joyous to know that when we put our trust in Christ, there is nothing else for us to do but to want to be more like him and to lean into his righteousness. To close, we'll seat this deeply in the fact, as we've said already, that Paul is lamenting the loss of his own people. He has an urgency that they would know what he knows. So if you're on the side of thinking that you can earn your way, see yourself here as being ignorant of the righteousness of God. God requires so much more of us than deeds. He requires a contrite heart that is willing to trust in him for righteousness. And if you're on the side that sees no use uh, for grace, Turn and repent of that pride and trust in Christ's righteousness alone. 
or if you're on the side of thinking you can do whatever you want because Christ has accomplished it already for you, listen to the pride there of ignorance of God's righteousness and the fact that you think that you don't owe God anything at all. Your life is a life of ingratitude if you think that you can do as you please. The life of the Christian isn't as I please. It is, let your will be done, Father. So let's be humble along with Paul here and weep over those and perhaps weep over what is in our own hearts here. We've got to check our own attitudes before God. And remember that our righteousness is nothing more or nothing less than what Christ did for us in his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. That is where our hope lies, and it will never change from that. Father, thank you so much for Romans 10 and the truth here that redirects us to your Son over and over and over and over again. There is no power to righteousness save in what Christ has done for us. Let us rejoice and find our strength in him alone. And in his name we pray, amen.